0: As Jared mentioned, we are starting a brand new series today called The Way and the World. The Way and the World. Um, the larger version of that is that we're talking about the way of Jesus for the sake of the world. The way of Jesus for the sake of the world. I honestly believe to the core of my being that one of the primary reasons that we remain on earth and continue to journey with God after beginning a relationship with Him, so after becoming a Christian, after what we call you know, getting saved, et cetera, is so that we will actually learn to follow the way of Jesus and that one of the key motives behind that will be for the sake of the world. I do not believe that it is possible for me to grow in my love for God and in receiving His love for me unconditionally, undeservedly, and not be moved to love the world. You're not gonna like everything. In fact, there'll be many times where you strongly disagree. You may even have an enemy in the traditional sense of the word, but when your life is being transformed by God, by the love of God, by the grace of God, the the, the more that I realize how undeservedly kind and patient and gracious He is to me, the more that something starts to take place on the inside where, where you can even love your enemy where you can bless those who curse you, where you, can, where you can bless those who persecute you, these are Jesus' words. These are not just uh, nice self-help goals for us to have where, where, we, where we're trying to be nicer people, sweeter people, prettier people, like kinder people, you know, more good people, I was gonna say gooder, gooder people. Because I don't like using the word better in this case because we're, we wanna be good, right? It's not about that. We can't, we can't make ourselves love the world, sacrifice for the world, serve others, persevere with others. To some extent, you can. But, but, but we cannot, from the core of our being, genuinely, truly love people the way Jesus did without growing in a relationship with Him. And the implication of that is that I'm then going to actually follow Him. I'm going to follow Jesus. And one of, one of the outcomes, one of the fruit of that is that I'm actually going to care about those around me. Where you live, where you are at work, where you are at school, your family, even though you wish you might've had a different one, or maybe, or maybe you're wishing that you had a different spouse, maybe you're wishing you had a different parent. I'm saying wherever you are, it's possible that God can do such a work in your heart that you can genuinely be light and be salt wherever you are. Romans 12 verse one is quite a well-known passage for those of you that are familiar with the New Testament written by, the, uh, by Paul the Apostle to, to a, a large group of Christians, one of the most significant books in the Bible theologically and he's just spent 11 chapters unpacking what it means to actually have a relationship with God. Like It's dense, it's rich with theology. And, and trying to explain what salvation is and, and what it means to be saved by grace and to walk in those good works and to actually care about others and to wanna to share the message. Like, he explains so much. And then, in what we now call chapter 12, he then says, in light of all of that. So therefore, because of everything else that he's just described, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So the mercy I've just described to you, the, the mercy that I've just riffed on. I mean, he's spoken about people who've never heard about God but have had general revelation. Then he's talking about the Jews who 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 kind of you know had this, this the Torah and the special access and yet they still didn't live the way to people that were what they call Gentiles, who 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 were completely outside the family of God and yet God has reached out. He's saying, in light of this mercy, like everybody. The fact that God loves everybody. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice. That means an ongoing commitment. The problem with a living sacrifice is that it can jump off the altar. So we have to keep choosing to, 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 to stay that way, to stay on that path. And I don't don't know about you, there are days where I'm like, I don't want this altar, thank you very much. I mean, I love you, but I don't like this, and and I wanna jump off. So so we're actually, we're invited. We're urged. He, in the New Living Translation, uses the word, I urge you, but in view of His kindness, in view of His mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, and proper worship. Now in this context, the word body is really referring to your whole life. He's like, you don't worship God with your mouth on a Sunday for two songs or three songs or four songs or five songs, depending on what church you're going to. He's like, you don't just worship God when you you maybe read a, a brief Psalm and repeat it or something. He's like, no, no, you worship God with your whole life. With your whole life. I think it's Eugene Peterson in in his message, the message uh, paraphrase, where he says, in your coming and your going, like your everyday life. Then in verse two, the first part of verse two, he goes on to say, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform is the same word that we get the English word metamorphosis from. Right? Where we're, we're, we're an insect or, or something would, would go from the process of being, of appearing to be one thing and actually going through a process of becoming something else. If we are following Jesus, if we are following the way, we are being transformed. But I want you to notice the, the two parts that underlined you. We're either conforming to the world or we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. But either way, we're being formed. You're being formed, and I'm being formed. In fact, Dallas Willard, in his book, Renovation of the Heart, said that terrorists as well as saints are the outcome of spiritual formation. We are being formed. It's not a question of if, it's a question of how. So in what direction? And am I allowing the world to form me? Or am I being formed by the renewing of my mind? So, so so, as I'm allowing the truths of God to constantly redirect, shape, and form me into the person that He's called me to be. Guys, we're being formed. If you look back over the last week, how you responded to opportunities at work or school, how you responded to perhaps opportunities for conflict at home, work or school, or on the bus, or on, you know, in traffic, if you think of how you spent your money over the last week, if you think of how you've spent your free time, your disposable time, if you think of what you did on average to end your day every day of the last week and to start your day every day this past week, if you start considering those things, you'll start realizing that actually, that looks a lot like what it was the week before, and the week before, and the week before because we're being formed. We all have habits. Habits form the heart. So so whatever those habits are, for good or bad, so whatever you did last night, chances are, I, I know there's no guarantee, but chances are, that was probably on average what you do most Saturday nights. How you woke up feeling this morning is probably how you wake up feeling most Sunday mornings. Our habits form our hearts and and so whether we're intentional or unintentional about it, we are being formed. He goes on in the second part of verse two to say, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In light of God's mercy, I offer my body as a living sacrifice. That is my, that is my true worship. Then verse two, He says that we're either being conformed to the world or transformed by the renewing of our minds. And as we are allowing our minds to be renewed, we will then learn what God's will is. And the reality is God has a will for our lives. It is good, it is pleasing, it is perfect. And I can't help but wonder if some of us have settled for way less than what God actually offers. I've got no problem with you settling less than what the marketers offer or what the world offers. But don't settle less for for less than what God offers. God actually has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. I believe that to follow God and to walk with Him imperfectly, but trying to do it consistently, I believe that it will result in human flourishing. I believe that it will result, that there will be an overflow of love and joy and peace. I believe that However long it takes, I think that you can grow and develop into being a non-anxious presence. So no matter what's happening around you, no matter what the storms are, no matter what the circumstances are, this, you are grounded, you are anchored in God. His will is good and pleasing and perfect. But the only way for us to discover it and to walk in it is to follow the way of Jesus. So, it kind of leads us to a fairly important question. Guys, on, this, on the slides, please forgive me. I want you to go quite a, a bit further down. To where I'm asking you the question of whether or not you actually want the life of Jesus. Sure. Now, you, you may very likely have a quick answer in your mind. Sure. It may be the correct answer. Likely, it's the correct answer in theory but I wanna help you think just a little bit deeper for a moment, because I don't know about you, I want the life that some other people have. I just don't wanna live like they live in order to have that life. So, so again, my friend Ezekiel, he's a runner, right? Done the comrades a couple of times. I know I look like I could do the comrades, but I would die, okay? No matter how much he inspires me, no matter how much he casts a vision, no matter how much he tells me, how much better his life is, how much weight he's lost, how, how much better it feels because of nutrition and, and the discipline that, that, that you have to engage in because of getting extra rest and sleep and, and just being able to cope with stress and just life being better. No matter how much I, I agree with that and buy into that and want that, I can't just do that. I would have to live a certain way to experience that life that I want. If I wanna be a marathon runner, well then I'm gonna to have to live the life of a marathon runner, which I don't really wanna live, thank you very much. <laughs> you see, we may want to experience the life of Jesus, but then we need to be willing to follow the lifestyle of Jesus. We will need to be willing to practice the lifestyle of Jesus. Jesus was committed to a certain way of life, which then allowed him. It, there was a way that helped him to actually love the world. There was a way that helped him to discern what to say yes to, what to say no to. He wasn't just saying yes so that he wouldn't offend people and, and, and he wasn't just saying no to people who didn't care about, him. no, no, he was secure enough, his identity was stable enough that, that, that he was able to discern what to say yes to, what to say no to. He knew when to pull away from people and he knew when to engage and to sacrifice and to give of himself. If I want the love of Jesus, the peace of Jesus, the gentleness of Jesus, the wisdom, the strength, the depth of Jesus, then I need to follow the lifestyle of Jesus. That includes healthy, appropriate margin. That includes spending time with God. That includes a commitment to community, whether you like it or not, whether you're still in the honeymoon phase or you're way past the honeymoon phase and you realize that everybody's imperfect and got junk and baggage and nonsense to deal with and you persevere through that and you grow, and you grow in that anyway. There is a way that Jesus lived and I believe that he invites us to this life. Came across this, this comment from John Comer recently and I I've been wrestling over it for a few weeks. I think I agree with it. I like it. Whether it's absolutely correct or not, I tend to agree and I like it. He says that morality is commanded, but maturity is invited. Morality in the Bible, to the life of a follower of Jesus, morality is commanded, but maturity is invited so there are certain things that you have to do if you're going to have a relation with God you can't go around killing people you can't go around you know dealing drugs you can't go around uh, uh, you know finding ways to, to to commit fraud and to undercut the the tax man and to and to lie okay so, so there are there are certain things that are black and white but then there is a level of human flourishing there is a level of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness that we are invited to. And I think sometimes we confuse the two. And so I think we're almost waiting for him to command me to be patient. And he's like, no, no, I'm inviting you towards a life of patience. Or I think we can make this mistake, and please, please bear with me. I don't mean any disrespect uh, when I'm saying this. I think that without us even realizing it, sometimes it's possible for Christians to be a little bit superstitious, where, where we think, well, if I just if I just pray the right prayer, then I'm going to experience the right result. If 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 I if I read my Bible every morning, well, then it's like that'll kind of like magically, you know, turn me into the person that I need to be. Now, that's a big part of it, but that's it's not this magical. Cure. No, no, the Bible is there to help train me. It's there to help direct me. It's there to help form me prayer is a a way for me to relate to God and be present with Him and find security in Him and identity in Him and joy in Him and, and and where He gives me peace regardless of what's going on around me. It's not some superstitious magical cure. He keeps inviting us to a life, to a way of life. So, in other words, I can believe that I should love my wife and be a good dad to my kids. I can even want to be that. And I can think, well, okay, to be a godly husband, a godly father, a godly man, okay, as long as I spend like a good 15 minutes, 30 minutes, hour, fill in the blank, every morning with God, okay, then I'm gonna, then surely I'm gonna just be this. But if I'm gonna work an extra four hours every day, if I'm gonna get less sleep than my body needs, and I'm gonna reject the limit that God has placed on my life, if I'm going to commit to more projects than what I can reasonably accomplish, if I'm going to eat junk and, and fill my body with toxins before I go to bed every night, or if I'm going to consume my mind because the only way for me to escape and switch my mind off from some of the stresses I'm dealing with is to either have a little bit too much wine or to watch a little bit too much garbage or to read or to scroll through just a little bit more social media than what is good for my soul. Guys, it doesn't matter that I had a great choir. You can be praying in tongues, naked on the roof. You're not gonna be a godly husband or father or friend. Guys, I, I hope you, you're catching what I'm trying to share here. I'm telling you that we're in danger of being superstitious. So, So here's the big idea of the day. I want us to commit to training, not trying, to training, not trying. If I wanna be a marathon runner, I'm gonna have to adjust my lifestyle. I'm gonna have to look at the amount of rest I need. I'm gonna have to look at the kind of nutrition I'm gonna have to persevere with and commit to. I'm gonna have to actually exercise. Guys, as Christians, some of us, not, not all of us, those of us that have been around for a long time, some of us don't need more food, we need more exercise. Some of, us don't, some of us know enough to do damage. Some of us know enough to last several people a lifetime. It's not about more. I'm not saying that's for everybody. I'm saying, I'm saying I, I know that for the most part, my problem is not knowledge. My problem is obedience. For the most part, it's not that I, okay, so let's, so let's make this practical and human. It's not that I am convinced that eating lots of sugar is good for me. I just like it. And as much as I don't want to, I do. And you can see the results. So, so I can, now, now, now by the way, and next week I'm gonna get way more practical. I do believe that there are spiritual practices, which I've started to engage in, like spiritual disciplines, like fasting, which I think is one of the only, so if you're struggling with a fleshly appetite, food, lust, eating, then, then you do the opposite. Okay, I'm gonna starve that human fleshly appetite. I'm getting ahead of myself. Next week, we're gonna get very practical with the nuts and bolts. The point I'm trying to make, though, is that it's not, a, it's not a knowledge issue. It's not like a, what? That's not good for me? I know it's not good for me. I know I need sleep. I know, I know what, what, what feeds my soul as far as media and content goes and what doesn't. Guys, for many of us, knowledge is not the problem. Training is the problem. Actually forming practices of the way of Jesus that leads to the life of Jesus for the sake of the world. Paul, again, writing in a different part of the New Testament, says in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize, that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Athletes are disciplined in their training, we're called to be disciplined for an eternal prize. I can't tell you how much it humbles me to think of the amount of discipline that athletes, any athlete, any, any, think, think of any competition, but where it goes kind of like to the highest level, whether it's the Olympics, whether it's athletics, swimming, soccer, rugby, the amount of discipline that a person puts in for a lifetime up until that point, in the hope that there'll be one in arguably probably several million, or in some cases, hundreds of millions, or when it comes to the Olympics, one in, how many people are we now? Six and a half billion? How big is it all? Anyway. And that one person that succeeds, I mean, it may be a popular enough event that they get enough. So, so you may be Usain Bolt. You may be Lewis Hamilton. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I've started actually getting into F1. But for the most part, for the most part, you wouldn't have a clue who most of these people are. I know who Michael Phelps is. Many of you would too. You know, Olympic swimmer, I think most decorated Olympian of all time. You're gonna struggle to name another swimmer, another Olympic swimmer. Sure, we may know a couple of South Africans, but, but you don't know who came second or third in all of Michael Phelps' races. Yet there's this determination. There's this discipline. There's this training. And, 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 and I'm not taking any of that away. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying I respect that, and then it really humbles me that I'm not willing to put in a fraction of that effort to what actually lasts for eternity. Where where I don't just hope to have a good relationship with my kids, where I don't just hope to have a good relationship with my wife, where I, where I don't just hope to have friends that'll be there when I'm struggling, when I'm in my darkest moments, that'll have my back. No, no, I need to be disciplined in training. You see, trying is different. Trying is me saying, I wanna, I wanna be able to run a marathon. I'm gonna put my, my most comfy shoes on tomorrow morning and I'm gonna go run a marathon. How many of you think I could go and run a marathon tomorrow? The two guys that we pay every month. And my friend over here. There's no one thing I can run a marathon. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a fail. You're probably right, okay? <laughs> How many of you think that with the right training, so, 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 so in other words, the difference is okay, tomorrow morning i put my best, most comfy shorts on, i put my, my tackies on, and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I, I head out and I'm running 42Ks I'm, because I'm gonna try. Right? None of you seem terribly confident that I'm gonna make it. But, but let me ask you this, in all sincerity, how many of you think that with the right training, over the right amount of time, with the right amount of consistency, and discipline, and coaching, that I could eventually run a yeah. marathon? Can, Jason. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty confident yeah. that with the right training, I could run a marathon. Yeah, uh-huh. With the right training, I don't wanna do this, because it's very cold, but with the right training, I could swim to Robin Island. Yeah. I mean that sincerely. Yeah, you could. But you see, I'm not training for cold water swimming. Yeah. If I tried, I would cry yeah. within 30 seconds and I'd be running back out to sea. Yeah. <laughs> but people that, that train their bodies, yes. that, that get used to pushing through that pain and discomfort of swimming in cold, open water, guys, You can train for a godly marriage. You can train for being a patient, present, a non anxious presence at work and school. You can train in being someone that is honorable in a dishonorable society. You can train yourself to stop adding to the vitriol that exists on social media. You can train yourself to pray for those who curse you, to bless those. Who harm you? We can train ourselves to forgive when, when it's actually unforgivable. We can train ourselves to find peace and joy and hope in God. Stop trying. Let's train, let's commit to the way of Jesus for the sake of the world. There is a way. I'm so convinced that there is a way. You can experience the life of Jesus if you will be willing and if I will be willing to apply ourselves to the lifestyle of of Jesus. It, it burdens me. It burdens me. How many people? So, in the last 24 years that I've been doing what I do full-time, I have arguably seen thousands of people come and go. And that's, not a, that's no shame or condemnation. I'm saying that's a source of burden It disturbs. Like, in other words, if there's one thing that I can do with my life, if there's one thing that I could succeed at, is God, please help me to help people to persevere through the discouragements, the disillusionment, the false advertising, and to push through that to where it's actually better than they ever thought it could be. So I'm saying, I'm saying of the thousands of the thousands of people. Guys, if I even just think of the pastors in our group of churches that I've been in for the last 24 years, I mean, I think I'm being kind if I were to imagine that maybe half of them are still around, maybe a quarter. Statistically speaking, people that started in the ministry, in full-time ministry, at the age that I did, nine out of 10 will not finish the ministry. I have to imagine that one of the most significant reasons for that is just flat-out discouragement and disillusionment, because you're trying, you're declaring, you think... and I'm saying, no, 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 there is a way. Yeah. If we're just gonna leave it all ethereal, if we're, just gonna, if we're just gonna try and convince people that if you just pray the right prayer and just make sure you read the Bible every day, everything's gonna work out. Guys, that's, it's not less than that. So don't throw out the Bible and pray, please, for crying out loud. No, no, it's not less than that, but it's so much more than that. We are called to follow Jesus with our whole lives. There is a way to live out the will of God. I remember so clearly where I was sitting uh, I guess 13, I don't know, yeah, maybe 10, 10 11 years ago when, when, when I was wrestling over this question with God of whether or not he wanted us to adopt our oldest daughter. So we'd, we'd met Micheline through a, a home here in the area. She started coming to us for weekends, and then school holidays, and the relationship developed over, I don't know, I guess about two years or so. And then, and then this thing started to like really just constantly wrestling inside of me. God is, do you and, and, and every time I think about it, I just felt like God was saying like, Jason, you know the answer. And I can remember where I was the day. We were actually on holiday, I think it was in December. We were staying at a friend's house in a Amarna's. I can remember where I was sitting outside on the stoop, where I felt like God like, kind of said to me, Jason, stop asking the question. You don't need to know my like. You already know my will. The question is, will you change the way that you live so that you can do my will? So, so in our case, uh, look, I know you all think that ministry, like you're balling it financially. <laughs> Not really, okay. So, 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 so there was there was quite a bit of faith involved, and and anyway, the bottom line is that I I just I knew I knew, and and it wasn't and it wasn't. There was no condemnation, there was no pressure. You see, some of us wait for God to pressure us to make us do something. God, I'll fast if you make me fast. God, I'll give if you make me give. And I think sometimes we expect of God what is actually true of the devil. The devil will will try and possess you and make you do something. God doesn't do that, he invites us. Morality is commanded, maturity is invited. And so, and so the, I, I, it's, it's the weirdest thing. I didn't feel any pressure. I just felt clarity. Jason, like you know my will. Will you live the way that will enable my will to be achieved? I don't have to pray about whether or not I need to stay faithful to my wife. I don't need to pray about whether or not I need to be a present father. I need, to, I, need to, I need to make sure that I'm committing to living the way. One of, one of the biggest reasons that, that, just in this season, and this might change at some stage in the future, I don't know, I, I, I'm just trying to give you some very practical, personal examples of things that I'm wrestling over. I, I, so, so I've been faced with the opportunity to, to do a PhD, to, to study further. It'll take four years, it takes time and effort, and honestly, honestly, there are two echoing burdens, that to me right now, at this stage of my life, I feel like that would not be a good idea. No. Even though I can see things, that would be of benefit. One is how present I need to be with my family. So when I say present, I don't just mean physically. Your kids know. <laughs> when you're there but no one's home. Okay, so, 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 so again, if I'm looking at the amount of stress and secondly, in terms of ministry, so this church and some of the other national responsibilities that I have, I've had to say, okay, God, am I gonna be able to, to live the way that you want me to live in order to achieve your will? Like, like, I know that if this is part of your will, then it's not gonna affect what I know to be part of your will. And I don't know that I could live this way right now, adding, adding this thing to, to my load. So I wanna encourage you to be careful, because sometimes we'll take on another opportunity because it's simply an opportunity. Wow. Yeah. Maybe you allow your kids to commit to three different sports because well, you know, like it's opportunities. It's, guys, you have limits, I have limits. I can want a healthy family, I can want kids that, 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 that are healthy and balanced and rounded and disciplined with their education and, and healthy with their sports. But, but if, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna keep taking on one more thing after another, I'm not gonna be able to live the way You can't watch every series that is recommended to you. You can't keep up with everybody on social media. You can't carry the weight of the world news day in and day out, and be a person of love and joy and peace. Be a non-anxious presence. Guys, that stuff does violence to our souls if we don't recognize the way. Guys, we are called to be disciplined with our practices, with the things we do, because the things we do do something to us. Our habits form our hearts. And so I wanna encourage you, this is your homework, this is your assignment for the week, is to review and renew. Review and renew. I want you to review your habits. Again, don't, don't, don't overburden yourself, don't get into loads, of de- I just, I especially want you to think about your disposable time so forget about the stuff that you have to do. I want you to think about when you actually have a choice. I want you to think about especially how you end your day and start your day, because I feel like that does something to ourselves. In fact, my understanding is that in Hebrew culture, the day starts the night before. So, so I've been trying to change how much garbage I expose my mind to the night before, and then expect to be able to like deliver myself of it with a quiet time in the morning and then have a wonderful day. Do you ever feel like you're just playing catch-up? It's like you try yes like you get you know you freeze all the toxin and then you try and quickly detox and then have a good day and then toxin and then quickly detox. No no we can guys Sabbath we will get into this more in the future but again that's not you see I think that even the term weekend is misleading. Do you know that Adam's first day on earth was a day of rest? It was a gift he hadn't earned it it wasn't the end of his week it was the beginning of his week so so, so maybe we need to look at how we Maybe we need to stop looking at how we end our week and look at how we are beginning the next week. So, so instead of seeing a Saturday and a Sunday, if that's how your life works, as the end of the week, maybe you need to see Friday as the end of your week. And then, and then thank God by His grace for the gift of Sabbath, for the gift of rest, whatever your Sabbath day is, whether it's a Saturday, Sunday, whatever the case is. And see it, instead of being the weekend, see it as the start of the week the new week. God, thank you that, that I don't have to wait until I've finished everything. No, no, I can rest. I can find peace in you. This might sound like such an exaggeration, and maybe it is, but don't tell anyone. But I think that families, even just learning to Sabbath in a life-giving way, where we, where we cease, where we stop work worrying and wanting, and where we allow stopping to turn into resting and resting to turn into delighting and delighting to turn into gratitude and gratitude to turn into worship. So it's not about what we can't do, it's about what we get to receive as a gift. I think that that single practice alone could change more families than an island holiday, a trip to Disneyland, an extra hour in the day, or anything else that we look to for some magical cure. Guys, I'm saying, there are practices. Please don't miss the rest of the series. Please don't miss the rest of this year. Like seriously, guys, th- this, is, this isn't this is for today, this isn't for this month. I want us to catch something, that there is a way to do life that leads to life, and to life to those around us. Where, where even if people are saying, I'm not sure about your God, but there's something compelling about you, Like there's. There's a peace, there's a, there's a presence, there's, a, there's an anchoring, there's a, there's just something that, that then actually whets their appetite to wanna to find out more about God. But guys, it's not gonna be because we believe the right things. It starts with that, again, it's not less than that. I'm saying it's, it only begins with that. So here's my question to you. Do you want the life of Jesus? Now that you know that there's a price attached, not, not a price of earning. Remember, I've mentioned this before, Dallas Willard said that grace is opposed to earning, not effort. It will take effort. Again, that's like, a mis- that's like, that's a lie. That there's gonna be no, 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 there's effort. But it's not an effort towards earning. It's an effort towards training. Come on, stand with me. I wanna pray for you in a moment. I don't have time to show you this clip, but maybe you can go and find it. There's a great series that has been made recently called The Chosen. Well, when I say recently, I think last year sometime. In my opinion, it's the best series. I mean, it's not a movie, it's a series. They're gonna be making seven seasons so far. They've made two. They're releasing the fourth episode of season two next week. It's all free, it's on YouTube or The Chosen app. But I love how real they make Jesus. They, they don't make him look like some weird Nordic you know, albino. They don't, they don't make him look like he's constipated. They don't make him look like, 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 like he's really got no joy in him. No, no, like he's like, like they're real. They joke around. It's, it's down to earth. I, I love it. It is so real and I, and I think, so in my opinion, it's probably the closest thing to a, an accurate reflection of who Jesus is. I love how they show the disciples and how dysfunctional they are and, 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 and some of the conflict and stuff that they're working. Through. It's just beautiful. They're, guys, it's just beautiful. Yeah. My 16-year-old daughter, don't tell I us this, who's grown up in church is like like something's coming alive. She's like, I just wanna hug him. It's change, like she, she's asked, like, can we watch this on a Sunday because it's changing the way she wants to go to school the next day. Like it's just, it's like stirring something up because I think it's actually giving people an idea, a more accurate idea of, of like his realness. But there's this one part that I wanted to show where John sends Philip. John was Jesus' cousin and, and he was now in prison. And those of you that, that have read the book of John, which is written by a different John, you might, might have noticed that John like redirected the attention from himself to Jesus. And, and, and even his disciples saying, no, 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 he's the one, like, go follow him. But even then, I mean, it's interesting to me that John wasn't convinced, different story. But in this in this particular moment, Philip, who's one of John's disciples, and he's like, and he's come and found Jesus and his disciples, they're traveling around. He has this moment with Jesus where he says, I'm Philip. He's, and Jesus like, no, no, I recognize you from the baptism and, and all the rest. And then, and then Philip says to him, uh, John has sent me with a message like kind of on my behalf, just a short message, a two word. Jesus, and Jesus is saying, no, no, I've also got a question to ask you. It's also a short one. And the way they, the way they portray it, I think is so powerful, but again, it helps if you've watched the rest of the, the series where we're just very gently, like Jesus says, follow me. And as he's saying, follow me, Philip, Philip doesn't even let him finish saying those two words, follow me. He just, he just interrupts with, I will. Mm-hmm. Follow me, I will. And I feel like, this is the invitation that is being offered to you right now. And I think it's offered to us again every morning, at the end of every day. Jesus doesn't just invite us to put our hand up or to, or to make a quick decision. He invites us to follow him. I want you to allow that invitation to sink into your mind and into your heart. In fact, can I ask you just to close your eyes for a moment? This might be weird for some people, so please bear with me, give me grace. But can I ask you just to try, with your eyes closed, just try and imagine Jesus standing in front of you. Because I do believe he's present with us. I just think that because we can't see into the spirit realm, we think that what we see is more real than what we don't see, and yet, I think that Jesus is more real in your life than the person standing next to you. So can you just try, it? just try and picture, imagine Jesus standing in front of you. I want you to imagine him actually having a gentle smile on his face. This might really mess with your head, but I want you to think beyond the truth that he loves you and actually consider the possibility that he even likes you. That he's not waiting for you to get your act together, that he's not waiting for you to stop all your sin, that he's not waiting for you to deal with all your baggage, that he's not waiting for you to be perfect. Is it possible that he doesn't only love you more than you can imagine, but that he actually likes the real you? Not the you that you present to others, but the real you. And and as you're imagining him standing in front of you with a gentle smile on his face, without it being pressurized, it's not domineering. It is so gentle but so compelling where he simply issues a two-word invitation, follow me. I feel like the correct answer to that question for some people standing here today I don't say this lightly, my sense is that, there, is that there are people here that if you can see the real Jesus, if you will hear the real invitation, and if you will sincerely say, whatever the cost, my answer is, I will. I am convinced that your life will change. I'm not convinced that your life will be easy, I'm not convinced that you'll have everything you want. I'm not convinced that Jesus will tick every box that you imagine. I'm saying your life will change. And in the end, it'll be better than you ever could have imagined. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me, it's an invitation. What will you say? Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would apply what you're wanting to, to sink into our hearts in the way that only you can. Lord, I fully acknowledge that my words cannot change a single thing. It can maybe change behavior temporarily. Lord, we cannot change our own hearts. We can only position our, our, ourselves. So we can, we can put an effort in to training ourselves to, to being present, to positioning ourselves to let you do what only you can do in our hearts. Father, I pray against shame and condemnation. I pray against discouragement and disillusionment. I pray for a vision of the real life that is on offer from Jesus. I pray for a vision that'll override some of the Discomfort, some of the costs, some of the pain, some of the sacrifices, some of the relationships that we might need to separate ourselves from, some of the ways that we do work that, that, you, that you might challenge us to change, some of the way that we interact with people or hold on to grudges, some of the ways that we might deal with our money that eventually you invite us to change, some of the ways that we view and steward our gifts that you will invite us to surrender to you. God, that, that no matter what the price, Lord, that we would be led by a vision of the life that Jesus died for and purchased with his blood. Help us to hear you constantly inviting us to follow you and help us to constantly say, I will. I will. God, when we fail, help us to recognize your invitation and get back up again. God, when we, when we drift away and allow ourselves to become distracted, help us to hear you warmly inviting us to come back. God, help us not to see the narrow path as something that's narrow-minded in a negative way. Help us to see it as the path that leads to life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. I, Guys, I know that we've gone over time, but I just want to tell you that I honestly think that there's some people that if you will if you will hear God and respond to Him and allow Him to continue doing what I think He's doing in you, I'm just saying, we have no idea. I do not believe that we can fully imagine the life that God actually has on offer to us. And so, as you go into the week, please do the, just, just do that little bit of homework. Just, just You don't have to even replace it or change it, just... Just try and be mindful of our habits, of our current practices. Next week, we're gonna get way more practical based on our personality, season of life, what we're struggling with, how to actually put health, as as though a doctor is prescribing medication or as though a physiotherapist or someone is actually prescribing exercises. Okay, we're gonna get really practical, so please don't miss out. Have a wonderful Mother's Day and a great week. Grace and peace. We'll see you next weekend.